0: This is ATL Day 1s, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now.
1: Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. And just want to say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. And remember, we're free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate that for you in advance. And remember, also, we are on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. So if you're tired of listening to us on your mobile device, go ahead and check us out on the big screen TV. I promise we looked exactly the same on there as well. Now, T, now Casey Hayward has gone to IR. We're going to discuss what Arthur Smith and D. P. S. have up their sleeve now. And what does the success look like for the Atlanta Hawks in 2022? And last but not least, and for the culture, Jim Ursaia here bumping his gums, flapping his yaps. But that might be a good thing would we'll to talk about that as well but first T, we have to talk about Casey Hayward going into IR. We don't know how nec- necessarily know how long he's going to be out but we know he's going to be out for some time. But and I think that one of the things that you have to find comfort in is the fact that you have Isaiah Oliver who just came back and he got a pick in the, at the end of the first half against the San Francisco 49ers and you had a guy like Darren Hall who probably had one of his best games as a pro against some pretty doggone solid receivers.
0: Yeah, KC Hayward going down. It's tough because he was really starting to catch his stride, we feel like, in that secondary, and also you lose that veteran. But I love what you said about Isaiah Oliver. I tweeted out right after his interception. It was just really almost like half exciting, half relief to see that he was was that guy again. And I think also – He is one of the guys that Dean Pease has come to trust. We know that he tried to put him in different situations last year, finally found that, hey, that guy might be really good in a nickel package. And Mm -hmm. he he was just before he went down for injury. But that takes nothing away from the fact that he was also starting to excel overall in Dean Pease's defense. So I think that if there's a need to put him in more spaces and places than just in maybe that situational space, I think he'd be good to go. And like you said, Darren Hall. I think AJ Terrell may have said it best, which is we pride ourselves in not being focused as a secondary on who's the one, who's the two, or who's wherever on the depth chart. It is truly the next man up mentality. And Darren Hall, we remember he had that big pass breakup, Brandon Ayuk about to do some things, or looking like he was, and maybe starting to help the Niners mount a comeback. And Darren Hall said, "Nah, not today. So, yeah, I think that unless there's someone out there kind of in that veteran space that the Falcons feel like, hey, that's a guy that, you know, we had an eye on. But for whatever reason, he wasn't available or we couldn't get him. And now he's back in that space. And they decide that they don't have enough guns in the secondary holster. Then, yeah, go for it. But like you and I had discussed a couple of days ago, they pretty much went through their entire secondary in one game and it worked out just fine.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the thing that you find comfort in as far as from just being able to utilize your entire 53-man roster or the 48 that dresses, you know, in home games. I think that's some of the thing that um, Arthur Smith talked about as far as – you know, not, depending on, not necessarily depending on three or four guys on your entire team or five or six guys on offense and defense, but specifically speaking on the defensive part, like you don't have to depend on Grady Jarrett to make a play every play, you right. know, or you don't have to look at AJ Terrell like, all right, we need you to pick up this fumble again and go score a touchdown. You have guys who throughout this season who've made big plays, and you had D. Offer, you know, hit a, hit a um, game in the interception to, um, to, uh, to seal the deal. You had Richie Grant come up and make a play, you yeah. know, at at safety and pick pick the ball off and make and seal the deal. And mm-hmm. thankfully, we've seen Grady Jarrett consistently get those sacks at the end of games to to yeah. help uh, seal the deal as well. And Lorenzo mm-hmm. Carter is another name that, that that has made plays as well. So I think that when Arthur Smith says that, that kind of gives me the nudge that okay. More than likely, they're gonna stand pat. But T, mm-hmm. he did say something that I thought was kind of interesting. He was just like, with, with the trade deadline coming up, and you know that you're not gonna have your veteran uh, corner. Mm-hmm. Which guy? Those guys are very valuable when when you need in those moments when you mm-hmm. need guys to make plays. I I I don't think that if Terry Fontenot finds the right deal or finds the right guy or finds the right fit, I'm sure Arthur Smith won't have any problem bringing him on because they know that they've built this roster to the point where these guys are are some of these guys are think alike and they have mm-hmm. the same goal in mind and that's the vision is to go out there and prove it prove it each and every Sunday that hey that these guys belong.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: So I think that one of those things that you know we we talk about just it it just kind of makes me feel a certain way as far as um this 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 stat that you brought to me i thought it was very interesting right so um based off of just offensive scoring as a whole in the nfl i thought this was kind of co- really cool when you sent me this it was it saying that the nfl is down 100 offensive touchdowns and that is something that i feel like when you think about you know Marcus Mariota coming off of get, being named NFL off NFC excuse me NFC offensive player of the week today, that's something that you kind of think about like all right, well in a league where you looking at your quarterback to throw the ball thirty five to forty five times yeah. and to win yeah. you games, it kind of speaks to right into what the, the who the Falcons are, right? Because we yeah. all know that more than likely teams who run the ball successfully aren't going to be p- putting up 35 and 40 points a game. Mm-hmm. They're going to play ball control. They're going to yep. take advantage of their possessions, and then they're going to take some possessions away from the opposing de- opposing offenses. So mm-hmm. I think all this this, with the, the trends that are going on in the NFL today, I believe that the Falcons are going right along with what's going on around the entire league.
0: Yeah, because I feel like if you have with that number, honestly, and and it's funny because I know Andy Bunker joined you yesterday on our right, podcast
1: exactly. I joined yeah.
0: him today on his podcast. Right. And one of the, the, one of the,
1: funny how that works. I know. Right. <laughs> one of the, that the
0: crew was talking about that was it blew me away, and I was like, whoa! Uh, Brian Gephardt, Bo Johnson, and of course I got Randy McMichael along with Andy talking about the lack of offensive touchdowns, and I kept going back to him drops, and I was like, I'm sorry, what what did you say? Uh 100. That the reason I said that is because we know this to be a pass happy league, right? The majority of those hundred touchdowns are on the passing side, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I think it goes well for the Falcons because if the majority of your <laughs> touchdowns are coming from the ground game, then as the season wears on and everybody else is trying to develop or trying to highlight or make their run game effective, yours already is. And right. I also think this, if you're, whether it's your O-line, or your tight ends or your right wide receivers but essentially your blockers right if your blockers a third of the way through the season are getting you sprung to the point where you're getting to that second level in that third level and i don't care if it's your quarterback or if it's your running back by committee i just think that somewhere along the line with the nfc with the nfc south first of all kind of mm-hmm. being up and down and then the nfc uh overall there may be some opportunity there where people shouldn't be counting out the Falcons or thinking it's a joke that they could potentially buy for the NFC South title or at least a wild card contender, right? Because a stat like this that bodes in their favor.
1: No doubt about it. Well, it bows in these these last four teams' favor because the the playoffs are set. T the, for the the NLC champion NFC championship. Excuse me, the cha- NL yeah, cha- NLCS. NLCS. Ch- CS and the uh, the NLCS and the uh, ALCS are set. Yeah. You know, you have the the Yankees uh, versus the Astros, and we got the uh, Padres versus the other team up there that sell, they're really popular for uh, um, yeah. Philly cheesesteaks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. with that being said. T, are you watching these? Are you watching these games or do you care about who plays or are you watching it, uh, paying attention to this at all?
0: On that NLCS side, I refuse. I will not subject <laughs> myself to that pain. And I say it <laughs> as a two-pronged approach. Number one, yes, I told you guys before and Jarvis has told you guys as well. Yes, we are Braves reporters, but we are also Braves fans, always have been. Indeed. So that for me is the away situation coupled with the fact that, I'm sorry. Yeah, there are a few... Guys on the Padres team that might make you, you know, blink one or two. And there may be a few on the Phillies team that make you blink. But I'm sorry, this is not a compelling NLCS. Not when most of us were looking forward to Braves Dodgers part two. Indeed, yes, yes. So, no, not watching on that side. I will, however, uh, watch the ALCS for a good reason and a petty reason. Good reason is because, you know, my other favorite team is the Yankees. And nope, Mm -hmm. I make no apologies for having two favorites. It is what it is. So we got out of the ALDS and we're moving on. I forgive you. And because I used to live in Houston and, yep, I am a hater of all things Houston. So I need to see them bashed in. The end.
1: Well, I'm the exact opposite of that i well I, I'm on the same page as you as far as not watching n l c s that I'm sorry, you forget about that have no interest whatsoever uh and but on the other side of that, I am rooting for all things against the New York Yankees because I absolutely could give two flying flips on a rolling donut about what the Yankees do and whether or not they get to the World Series, and then. Mark Zeno is a fan of, of the New York Yankees. So hey, why would I root for them? Oh. Like at all. Like so, yeah, you're in the same boat as Mark Zeno right now, T. He's like, think let Merritt ain't on that yeah. one. But yeah, uh-huh. I'm not I'm watching good. them. Okay. <laughs> <Thank> you, <Mark. laughs> all right. So let's get back on get back on track here. Both of us <laughs> are gonna be at the game tonight. Atlanta yeah. Hawks taking on the Houston Rockets is going down in State Farm Arena T. I know you gotta be excited about this one.
0: Oh, man, I cannot tell you I was just speaking to someone yesterday about how this city is buzzing about basketball, about NBA ball. And listen, this is in the face of still before last week the Braves doing well, UGA still doing well, and the Falcons are surprising us with their play. And yet we're still having conversation about the Hawks. Now, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction and tell you that I'm super excited, not just to see all that energy at State Farm Arena, but also you already know it's always going to be Dre Day. I don't have, ever have to say that out loud. But I'm looking to see what Onyeko Okongu is going to do on offense. I think his defensive game has just improved and improved and improved. He's been working on his offensive game, so he's my guy who I want to check out along with what the new look bench, the new look second unit, the bench mob looks like, because it's a bit different from what we saw last year.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be, it's gonna be a, a, a sight to see. And I think that we're going to dive into whether or not How long is it going to take for this Hawks defense to improve this year? But first, we have to talk about BetOnline.net. And I was just looking at BetOnline.net just now, just Mm -hmm. literally just now, because I wanted to check to see what the spread was for the Atlanta Falcons. You know, we talked about them and what kind of challenges they're going to face this week Mm -hmm. because they're down Casey Hayward. But I think that's something that you know, bet on the uh, the odds are kind of telling me something, right? Because the the Bengals are actually favored by six points. You know, mm-hmm. essentially that's a touchdown. So essentially, yeah. so you know, you you got to feel that the the Falcons are going to lose by a touchdown if, if you're going to go go in the Bengals' favor. So I think that. I, I need to get a little bit more information. Guess what I well, guess what I can do? I can go to mm-hmm. betonline.net because it continues to be the top online source for all your sports wager information, for live in-game betting, scores. And you listen to us for podcasts. Why not listen for to Bet betonline.net for podcasts as well? They got you all covered. And, and the last thing is, you know, that over-under for the Hawks might just be very enticing, T, because well, I think that if you think that the Hawks are going to win 50 games this year – you might want to put the over on that bad boy and bet online is going to tell you exactly what you need to do all you have to do is go to your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today because guess what guys bet online is where the game starts
0: it is where the game starts, indeed. And speaking of start, finally, 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 we are here. It NBA. is the of the NBA season. Of course, it started last night with the Celtics getting a win over the Sixers and the world mm-hmm. champion Warriors getting a win over the Lakers. But real talk, season just starts for us here in Atlanta tonight when the Hawks take on the Rockets. And, you know, Jarvis, we look back to last year, right? And we all had expectations about how that season was going to go based on how the season went the year before. Okay, we all know that went up in flames, right? But it's a new day, so let's just be positive and let's be optimistic. And I'm thinking, okay, so now that we know we have new pieces in the puzzle and it's a new look, Hawks team, what are your realistic, emphasis on realistic expectations for this season or what would you say your definition of success might be?
1: To be honest with you, if they play a home game in an open playoff round, that 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 will, that will be those are those are my expectations, and and I think that a top six team is almost borderline. Like uh there might be some changes being made, you that know, right. if if that's the case, or you know, and, and they buy out in the first round. So I think so, it's a very small window there, right? So mm-hmm. I think you know the top four teams, you know, get their home get their home playoffs home. um Home series, so and yeah. I think that that that's that's the expectation for me because I think mm-hmm. that you may uh, maybe looking at a situation where it may take some time uh, uh, to figure out what's how this what this defense is going to look like sure. for the Atlanta Hawks. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. but I think that there and then of course with Nate McMillan mm-hmm. and how he. He calls his offense and what he does and how he kind of works with DeJounte Murray and, and making sure that these guys are doing what they're supposed to do offensively mm-hmm. and, I, and I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period but yeah. I do expect talent to rule uh, tonight you know um, against the Houston Rockets for sure
0: yeah I would agree especially because some of their and albeit rookies in uh, Ty Ty Washington and Jay Sean Tate they'll be out tonight and of course they right. still have the Jalen. Uh, Green. Uh, Carter. I'm sorry, yes, Jalen Green. Green Green. Yes, my green, mind, green. Well, you know where my mind yeah, is.
1: I know what you mean.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. That defensive
1: talking <laughs> to the, the Falcon should draft. Yes. Exactly. That him. <laughs> that dude. Mind, and look, Jarvis is actually telling you
0: guys something because in my mind, it's been Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter, and more Jalen Carter. So you all see yes, that even Jarvis and I are like still trying to bring him back into NBA uh, the NBA season and, and Hawks. But this is what I thought was interesting as well, and I agree with you. At a minimum, Jarvis. At a minimum, we want to see the Hawks have a really host that opening round, right? Because that right. in all likelihood means you're in that top four. And I thought it was interesting as well. I'll I'll even put like a, a slight caveat on it too. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a little bit of a loose definition of success, but follow me, Jarvis. I think a, a definition of success would be if Nate McMillan was coaching that opening round team, because that will have meant that we got Um, through this season successfully under his tutelage, and we did not feel like we got to the trade deadline or to All-Star Weekend and needed to make a change because things weren't going quite right. That's part one. Part two, I think for me, would be if you and I looked in the box score or looked in the stats for 2022 and 23 and saw DeAndre Hunter games played 65 or more.
1: Mm, wow! If that, you really wow!
0: For more Jarvis, yes, I think that's a great look.
1: I think you make a great point because we all know that the Hawks are willing to make in-season moves. That is yes. yes. yeah. Like, no. <laughs> well, we we know for a fact that that's the case. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't know who the replacement would be if that were to happen. But I don't expect that to happen. I don't foresee that happen mm-hmm. happening. You know, at, um, during the season. But like I said, if he's on, like you said, if he's on that on the bench, right there in that lead chair. And open the opening round at, at State Farm Arena. I think that we are we'll know exactly how this season went. And if you're talking about 65 plus games played by DeAndre Hunter, mm-hmm. that means that the Hawks team is looking like real, legitimate yes. Eastern conference contenders.
0: Yes, and that is something that they have talked about openly, and I appreciate that. They talk right. about their lessons learned from last season and their desire to show that they have grown. They have matured both on the court and off the court. So, yeah, just exciting to see. And what's also interesting to me, Jarvis, is as excited as we are here, and and obviously, honestly, the national media is excited with what they're seeing with these new Lecocks as well. However, there's excitement about some of those other teams that have been the perennials at the top of the Eastern Conference and, of course, the Western Conference as well. So I saw something today, and actually I've seen it a couple times, but I'll I'll reference the uh, ESPN article for brevity. Based on the betting odds, it looks like there's a lot more parity and a lot more of the races being wide open in both conferences than maybe people give credit for. And so the article, I'll just get to our crux of it, if you will, which is the Eastern Conference, basically saying that, OK, the Nets, the Bucks, the 76ers have consensus odds of being 10 to 1 or shorter. However, the teams that are right there with them, the Hawks, for example, the Bulls, et cetera. Um, and you notice I didn't even uh, have in there. The Celtics. So you've got. Yeah. So you've got like three teams right there on the cusp. And those odds are so close together that it made me think Jarvis, that would be another opportunity for us to say, hey, there's a measure of success out there to get in the top four, because even the odds makers are saying, heck, it's heads or tails. We don't really even know what to look at across the league, let alone the conference.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you because like as you were talking, I was thinking about all the little questions that all of those teams that you just named, right? Because mm-hmm. the 76ers, I don't trust any team with James Harden on it. Sorry. <laughs> um, forget about okay. that. And and we already know with Emile Doka and what went down <laughs> with the Boston Celtics and, and Jalen Brown with being on the trading block and they were mm-hmm. trying to trade for, you know, Kevin Durant, essentially, his name being floated around. So we know how that works and mm-hmm. how what goes on with that piece because yeah. we experienced that here with John Collins. Right, and then you thought the Brooklyn Nets, right? Kyrie Irving. I don't trust anything when it comes to Kyrie Irving. Is he going to be out there? Is he going to find a reason not to play? Is he going to be available because he's not hurt? You know, all those questions come into play. Then Kevin Durant hasn't played a full season in what since. What 2018? <laughs> right. Since then, since then, since since then. So, uh, so there are a lot of questions up and down. All of those teams that are quote unquote the highest favorite mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference. So, I don't, when you talk about a team that's not firmly set at the top of the Eastern Conference, I feel like the Hawks got game. They got game, and, and they can and they're ready to uh, be able to go out there and compete.
0: Exactly, Is there's for the taking, and just like two years ago, and really just like what you see in the NBA, maybe more often than in any other sport, the other piece there is matchups. So you get yourself yep. a favorable seating so you can get a favorable matchup that gets you, hopefully, at least back to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then we'll kind of talk that talk. Now, the other thing is this. If we see success, if we see expectations met or exceeded, a lot of it, Jarvis, will come down to whether or not the defense – has become potent or lethal. So my question to you is this, how patient are we supposed to be? What is it that you're looking for that tells you, okay, I believe that this defense is on point and I'm going to take it back to the Eastern Conference Finals run. This team's defense is at least on point for what they looked like in the last, about 10 to 15 regular season games. And then as they kept progressing forward in the conference uh, finals.
1: Yeah, I think that, you're gonna to have to practice a little bit more patience because I, I think that when we t- just kind of having a conversation about it and kind of thinking about it out loud, it was like, all right, now they have enough talent to figure it out on offense, right? There's yeah. <laughs> there's no there's like they can figure it out. They figured it out with just Trey essentially doing all being the all in all for last year and mm-hmm. still were able to get into the playoffs. But when you have more weapons and and more and guys getting better, and DeAndre Mm -hmm. Hunter and and John Collins, I think that offense is going to take care of itself. But when you're talking about being able to communicate with each other on defense, Dejounte Murray being playing around different guys, Mm -hmm. we all know he was brought in to be the stopper, right? He's the guy. He's the guy that's going. He's the defensive guy. He's going to help make everybody better, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't necessarily work out that in the first. 15 games I think right. you're gonna have to it's gonna take some time for those guys to kind of figure each other out and no Murray's gonna have to figure out like okay this is Trey's big weakness on playing defense I can be <laughs> in the offense offense be damned <laughs> but this is what this is when once you get in it that's when you start to figure out how things work and I think Nate is going to be is going to be integral into and in figuring out that thing as well so they can he can know when it comes to those rotations and how who who can play best with each other. Is he going to mm-hmm. stagger Trey and Dejounte? So if if, if there's if there's going to be a moment where Dejounte and Trey aren't in a game together mm-hmm. defensively from a defensive yeah. matchup standpoint, so all those things come into play, and mm-hmm. I think it's gonna it's gonna take a few games yeah. in order for them to get that um to figure that thing out.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the chemistry and the gelling that Landry Fields mentioned when I spoke to him a couple weeks ago, because right. I agree with you. The offseason, particularly summer league and, and what we've seen even in training camp and, of course, in preseason shows that the offense is pretty much already gelling and the chemistry is there. But like you said, it's the defensive side. For example, if they're going after the wing and you know, DeJounte is a different looking too, and then you've got yeah. DeAndre Hunter who hopefully will be strong and be healthy – like, how do they play off of one another? If you, right. what happens when, to your point, you bring in an Onyeka Okongu? Are you bringing him in at the four? Or you bring him in at the five? And how does he gel, especially in the absence of maybe someone like his coach, Lou Williams, who is really coaching him off at both ends of the court to try to help him along to say, hey, here's how your offense can help your defense. Now, speaking of offense, you made a great point. That's probably going to click faster. But one of the things that may dictate the clicking is Trey Young. And just how quickly, especially in real time regular season action, he gets accustomed to and gets comfortable with playing off the ball.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the big that, I'm
0: sorry, Jarvis, because he always corrects people and he lets you know he has played off the ball before. So I'm going to do it again.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, get better, mature in that, you know, in the NBA, you know, yes. being yeah. able to play off the ball. And I think that. That's something I don't think it's going to take too much time to to yes. to to master. To be honest with you, because when you uh, as prolific as a shooter as he is from deep yeah. and spotting up, I don't think Trey has an issue with spotting up. Like right. who thinks that? So I think I think it's just a matter of him doing it, just like I talk about defensively. So um, the adjustment period for 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 this team is mm-hmm. is going to take some time defensively, and like you said, they still have to figure some things out offensively. But yeah. when you have as much t- uh, scoring talent as they do, I'm not too concerned about that.
0: No, I am not concerned at all. Like I said to Andy and Randy earlier, Nate McMillan is just chomping at the bit to use his toys on both ends of the court, and I can't wait to see it. We can't wait to see it. And another thing we always say to you guys is we can't wait for you to check out Locked On Sports Atlanta. We know that we are you guys' number one listen because we see the numbers on YouTube and we see how many how many times you give us five star reviews and you also check out and download our podcast. But when you check us out every single day, we also want you to check out NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked on NFL, or of course, you can also check back replays throughout the weekend. Basically, when you looked at Locked on, you have your local experts like Jarvis, like me, that are giving you the inside scoop, right? On I'm an expert. The- oh. hey. well, yeah, we're going to call ourselves experts. We're going yes. there. But this it. particular podcast gives you the biggest games in the NFL, the five biggest, including the weekend games, whether that's Sunday or Monday night, plus betting advice from the one that Jarvis just told you guys about a minute ago. What is it, Jarvis? BetOnline.net. So yes. follow your NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked on NFL. And just remember, just like you check us out on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts, check out NFL Key Predictions as well.
1: No doubt about it. T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture. And sometimes what over there. We want to talk about Because that's just how we get down on this show Today is no different Ooh, These NFL owners means Supposed to be something like uh, Dudes with a ho- a whole gang of money Not making a lot of noise Staying low key And talking mm. about certain things That needs to go on in the NFL And what needs to happen mm, Jim Ursay said Hell to the dog <laughs> Jim Ursay comes out And basically says it's time for Dan Snyder to get the hell on. <laughs> T, I know that, and there were some reports that um there was some reports that they, they said they weren't gonna talk about this outwardly, right. So, you know, they wanna keep everything in-house and all that stuff. But when you think about Jim Ursay's past, right? Mm-hmm. There's some it's a little spotty. It's a little he's been suspended before, he's been attacked and everything like mm-hmm. that, but I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? That's not the worst person for it to come from. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about going through something and learning your lesson and then trying mm-hmm. to accept the example for yeah. how an owner should act or learning from his, his, his ways, and that's the problem with Dan Schneider. Yes. He ain't meant to Jack. Yeah. He ain't done nothing wrong. Nothing. Yeah. None of that. And Jim Mersey cool. has done that. And I and yeah. I really appreciate him for that because mm-hmm. and, and I think just from an optic standpoint, I think Jim Ursay was just fed up. He was just like, people think that billionaires can do what they want to do. Which most of they can especially in America yes but he was like it's just it just doesn't work like that and I think he's talking speaking from experience because mm-hmm. he got punished for yeah. you know not behaving like he's supposed to behave
0: right and the, the here's the interesting thing we dichotomized it last week in terms of Okay, there are also tiers and levels to this, right?
1: Of course, we're, no doubt, always.
0: Where Jerry Jones fits in the tier, where Robert Kraft fits in the tier, or, or where the Bidwells do, or or the um, uh, Arthur the Rooney's,
1: yeah, Exactly,
0: yeah. the Rooney's. So we talked about kind of the different tiers and how things are, are managed. And Jim Ursay probably find, you know, probably fall somewhere in the t- second tier. Let's just call that, yeah, Let's, yeah. yeah that's not fair. Yeah. Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft, but listen, I feel like this as well. None of them should be untouchable. None of them. No. But unfortunately, many of them are. And I think, like you said, Jim Ursay kind of shined a light on it and said, hey, guess what? You should take accountability for your actions. What you did is inappropriate, and there should be accountability for it. And we know it's then it becomes like unraveling, right? Because, of course, now Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft are bickering. And and (laughs) that's so funny to me. That is that's that tier one mono, mono. Yes, big dog. Yeah. So I love it because the thing about it is that's the kind of thing to where it shows that people are starting to take the gloves off. Because remember, we were saying that part of the reason. That Dan Snyder has been able to get away with all of this for so long is because he has to know where the bones are buried. He yes. has to know where the bones are buried. But when you start saying stuff like what Jim Ursay said, and when Kraft and Jones start biggering and we're finding out about it, I feel like bones are gonna start falling out of the closet. And as they fall out of the closet, that gives Dan Snyder less leverage. Because interesting how they were the first to come out with a statement that Jim Ursay was inappropriate. Really? Your boss wasn't? Your owner was? <laughs> <Right. laughs> come on yeah I thought that was kind of interesting uh statement that they made but i like it like you said i like that there's someone saying man up and take accountability and responsibility in a way that you never have and i like that sometimes we see the chinks in the armor from the owners because if you see chinks in the armor for one owner trust and believe other chinks in the armors of others will come forth
1: no doubt about it Mika. and just just think about Redskins slash commanders that For the past what 20 years What was it 99 he bought the team In 1999 he bought the team Just think about like When has that organization ever Been run well or coached Well it's always been Something or something going on Or some issues or underlying issues Investigations Mm -hmm. It's just been always something going on With that organization and I think that You know what Ursa is right. I wholeheartedly agree. I appreciate him for stepping up and having the, the gumption to say something. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, forget all that. It, 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 yeah, we know what time it is. We we understand, and I feel like we got enough votes to get it done. I right. absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, yes. that's kind of, yeah. That's, I, that's <laughs> like I felt like he was low key saying, Oh, you want to try me? Let's take it to a vote and let's see what happens. Because if you try me and we take it to a vote, you'll see just where more than likely the majority of the owners and we know it's a big majority I think it's about 75 percent, have to agree to vote you out but if jim Arce is saying that you've got a point there might be some commentary like yeah we got these votes to do what it is that we want to do now speaking of do what we want to do we tomorrow want to talk about a win for the hawks we want to see them get a dub in the season opener just like they did last year and We're going to talk all about it tomorrow and break it down and tell you guys of all the great things that we saw hanging out at State Farm Arena. So check us out. And, you know, maybe if there's some movement for the Braves, we might tell you guys about it. Otherwise, don't look here for any talk because, yeah, we feel some type of way. What we don't feel some type of way about is the Falcons as they continue to get set to take on the Bengals. So we'll talk about that and anything else that comes across the landscape of sports in Atlanta. Don't forget after you check us out, go check out NFL Key Predictions, whether you want to see what they said last week, kind of teeing up for this Friday. Also check out Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, A to Z with Mark Zeno. You can do it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So thanks again, guys, for stopping by. We will see you tomorrow. And wait a minute, Jarvis. Uh Oh -oh. Uh -oh. Oh, yeah. So we in there.
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we in there. So yeah, we'll see you at State Farm Arena and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Make sure y'all come back.